Welcome to a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. Because it's a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. A breath of fresh air. Beautiful day. Oh, baby, any day that you're gone away. It's a beautiful day. Great to have you with me today for the final episode of our summer series. I hope you've been enjoying it. It's time now for us all to get back into our regular lives. I'm sure you've had a lovely break. Lots coming up for you this hour with some fabulous guests to meet, including half of the most popular singing duo in the world, John Oates. We check in with the legendary Gordon Lightfoot and the fabulous Dion DiMucci joins us too. But first, I was really excited to catch up with Joan Armatrading. She's always been one of my favourites. I sit here by myself and you know I love it. You know I don't want someone to come pay me. I want to be by myself. I came in. Let me say a very happy 70th birthday to you. I know, that's coming up. I'm one of those people that whatever age I am is the age I feel, which is always good. I always feel good. Birthdays are very special. I don't need I don't need presents and people reminding me it's my birthday. I feel really kind of special just for myself. <laughs> what a wonderful way to be. Yeah, it's nice, a really nice feeling. What are you going to be doing on this one? Oh, it'll be the usual, very quiet. Uh, I don't, uh, as I say, I just need to be here. On the planet, you mean? On the planet, absolutely. (laughs) The list of accolades and awards that you've received is just astounding. How do you feel about all of them? I feel great. I've been nominated three times for a Grammy and twice for a Brit Award. Haven't won any, but I'm still waiting, still young. The, The academic things is wonderful. My biggest achievement academically is that I actually did a degree. I did a history degree. So that's great. So all the honorary things feel good because I have a real one (laughs) as well. How difficult was it for you? Oh, yeah, it was was difficult because I was on tour. I'd be doing shows, I'd be doing interviews, I'd be travelling, and then I'd have to make time at night (laughs) after the show to do my my work. It feels like one of the special things of my career because when I write, I just write how I feel. You know, I, I don't have any restrictions. But with the degree, everything is programmed. There were rules around it. Absolutely. So that was quite different for me. Well, while we're talking history, if I can take you through a little bit of your own, I read about you that your father had a guitar that was strictly out of bounds and you pestered your parents so much that they bought one for you. Yes, my father had the guitar that he wouldn't let me touch and I'm absolutely sure that's why I wanted to play the guitar. And I saw uh, in a pawn shop, I saw a guitar that cost three pounds and I asked my mum if I could have it and she said, because we didn't have any, any money, if they would accept these two old prams that she had, if they would swap it for the guitar, then I could have it. And so that's how I got my first guitar, which which is a guitar that I still have. So you taught yourself how to play the guitar. You taught yourself the piano too? 
Yes, anything I play, uh, uh, I'm self-taught. You have arranged and played on nearly every instrument on your last five albums. Well, I, to me, it's just a part of the writing the song. Did you also have a sense of when you were putting these songs out about which would be the, the biggest commercial successes? No, I, I, I knew I, or I thought people would like Love and Affection. Uh, but I didn't know it would be a song that would last all these years. And when I asked the record company for that to be the single, they did say to me, uh, remember, Joan, you asked for it. Thank you. You took me songs that I write, I like to just leave people with what they think it's about, because you don't really need me to interrupt what they think it is. What about Drop the Pilot? Is that one you're keeping your lips sealed about? Drop the Pilot? Yeah, that's just, uh, that's a song that I wrote to be a hit. But that's amazing that when you want to write a hit, you can just call it up and turn it out. Yeah, I should do that more often, eh? I'm right on target, my aim is straight.
take the inspiration from? From everywhere, from gen- most of the time, not from me. I'm not the subject of most of my songs. It's from looking at people and, you know, I might see something on the television, I might see something uh, in the paper. When you go, yes, I'll grab that. Absolutely. Joan Armatrading, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks a lot. This is a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. It's a beautiful day. British band Badfinger with Day After Day. Joe is the band's sole surviving member who these days is doing very well with lots of new music. He tells me though that times weren't always quite so good. They stole all the money. I mean, all the money. You know, we were de- I was destitute, man. And my, my wife and, and, and two children and myself and, and we had no money. Really? Massive hits out there but no money. We were on the radio but we never got any, any royalties. The royalties all went to our management office. It's a common theme. And then we just took a little drawer every week or every month, you know, because we wanted to save the money. Who knows you're going to be able to do this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, all we did was kind of go to work, if you like. Our job was playing in a rock band. And you got a wage for it and that was it. The manager was unbelievable. He spent all the money, all the money, not most of it, but all the money. And I remember standing in a queue in Los Angeles with my little baby boy, Sean, in my arms, sick. And I couldn't go, go to the doctor. I didn't have any money. didn't have any insurance. And I'm standing there outside in the charity line. That's how bad he left us off. And you telling me that was at the, at the height of your success? At the height of our success in 74, we were broke, completely broke. You know, we had four top ten records. I wrote half of the music in Bad Finger. I mean, half of the songs, Joey Moran wrote them. That's just awful. Thankfully, times have changed. Joey stuck at it and after decades in the industry has never lost his passion for making music. You've got this new album out, right? Yeah, I do. Tell us a little bit about that one. Be true to yourself. Basically, Mark Hudson and I have gotten to be good friends over the year. Mark's a record producer. He's done all of Ringo's records and uh, Aerosmith, stuff like that. He's a Grammy-winning writer. He asked me, did, did I fancy making a new record? And then did I have any songs if I did? And I told him I had stacks of songs. He got into it, listened to them all. And then over the next year or so, we worked on them. We started getting in touch with people, uh, Julian Lennon. Of course, I played with Julian's dad on the Imagine album. Steve Holly from, uh, you know, used to play with Paul McCartney. Mickey Dolenz came in, yeah. Jason Sheff from Chicago. There's 10 tracks on this album. Which one would you pick as your absolute favourite? Ooh, that's difficult. I think my favourites in, in kind of moody stuff. Uh, Heaven, I think it's a beautiful uh, tune, came off great. When the moonlight is hard and clear And the world ain't around There are voices that
to the album Be True to Yourself, Joey got a few friends together to revisit the hits with an album called No Matter What. I went to Nashville and I was offered a deal by a record label and uh, do a recut on some of the Badfinger stuff. And uh, I went there and recorded them. That was basically it, forgot about it. Anyway, uh, the record company president, he had an idea to, uh, to get some guests in and that kind of remix it and stuff. So he did, he, he got in touch with loads of different guys, you know, from big bands. And they all said, yeah, they all came in. It was just, just amazing. If I could name some of them for you, you had Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull, Rick Springfield, of course, he's one of ours. You had blues legend Sonny Landreth. You had a, a, another friend of our show, Todd Rundgren, play with you. Yeah! Produced the original version of Baby Blue as well. Guess I got what I deserve. Kept you waiting there too long, my love. All that time without a word. Pleasure to chat with you. I'm so glad that you're traveling so well and putting out such brilliant music these days. Well, thank you, love. Thank you very much. It's great talking to you, Sandy. Lovely. Bad fingers, Joey Molland. And for anyone wondering, he's no longer single following his wife's death in 2009. Today, he lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, with a new girlfriend, and the pair run an antique store when he's not making music. Stay tuned, won't you? After the break, we catch up with John Oates. This is a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. It's a beautiful day. Thanks for your company. I'm so pleased you're joining me. Now, everyone knows John Oates as one half of the best-selling duo of all time, Hall and Oates. Together with Daryl Hall, whom he met while studying journalism at university, the pair have had six number one hits, recorded 22 albums and sold more than 80 million records. John also works solo and was about to perform a live stream concert for his League of Fans when I caught up with him. John, thank you so much for joining me today. I heard that your songwriting ability was actually first recognised by a teacher at primary school. Yes, it, it, was, um, it was an English class where we were assigned to write a poem. And it was during the Cuban Missile Crisis when Kennedy was about to go to World War III. So I wrote this poem about the Cuban Missile Crisis. And the English teacher knew I played the guitar and thought it was really good. And I said, you know, you should put this to music. And I had never really thought about that. That was my first foray into songwriting. John, you met Daryl in university. What were you studying at the time? Journalism. Oh, were you? Well, it was just a means to an end. I've always enjoyed writing. I've, I enjoyed writing, whether it be prose or music or whatever, and it's always come easy for me. So I took the path of least resistance uh, at, at university because really all I was doing was playing music anyway. And when the two of you first started collaborating, at what period did you decide, hey, we're actually pretty good at this? Not right away, I can tell you that. <laughs> we tried to write a song when we first got together in the late 60s, and it, it sounded so awful. 
Uh, Daryl's voice was so pristine and my voice was so rough. It just kind of, it was like oil and water. And we actually recorded something at the, at the university radio station. And uh, I remember we, we kind of looked at each other afterwards and went, oh, this is never going to work. We should, we'll just hang out and, and have fun. <laughs> There's no point in thinking about this. But uh, over the years, you know, we got together and uh, started to really develop this thing. And it kind of, you know, he, he came toward me and I came toward him. And it was kind of this thing that happened. So I guess once it took off for you, you would have never, ever in your wildest dreams believed that 50 years later, you'd still be doing it and doing it so well. I I say the same thing. I really do. Um, If someone were to have told me in 72 that we would be playing bigger arenas and bigger venues than even in our 80s heyday and that people would still actually care about the music we made, that would have been just mind blowing enough. The fact that I'm healthy enough and to enjoy it and still want to be involved with the creative process is just really a blessing that I just, uh, I don't take it for granted. What do you think it is about that early music that really caught the public's attention? Well, you know, it took us three albums before we really connected. I mean, we had the song She's Gone on the second album, on the Abandoned Luncheonette album. And that did fairly well. It kind of put us on the map, but it really wasn't a hit. Sarah Smile came and that was our that was our fourth album so that was over four years into our career that we really started getting radio play and then of course we had Rich Girl and then we had She's Gone re-released then that became a hit after the fact we paid our dues for about three or four years on the road and you know trying to get better in the studio and until it really started to happen we believed that something was going to happen. We didn't know what it was going to be. In fact, we had a joke among ourselves, between ourselves. We, we used to call it the invisible carrot. You know, the old thing with the, the carrot on the donkey and the donkey just keeps plodding along. Well, that, that was us. We, we just said, we just keep plodding along. We're chasing something, but we don't know exactly what it is.
I did read somewhere that you totally lost count of the number of women that you slept with. It's a much more tame John Oates these days than what we saw in the 70s. Oh, absolutely. A much smarter John Oates, I can tell you that. Uh, but, you know, it, I wouldn't trade the 70s for anything because it was so, you know, everyone says, well, what was, they, they always assumed that because we were so popular in the 80s with our big hits, that that was the greatest time in my life. And, you know, on the contrary, uh, it was not. It was really the 70s that were the best time because everything was new. You know, we were on tour for the first time, visiting cities and towns and places that we had never been, meeting people. There was less demand on our time. We weren't that popular. So we could play a show in a town and, and then we could just stay there for a day or so and hang out and party and eat. So it was all new and everything was an adventure. So that's why I have, um, I have such great memories of the 70s as opposed to the 80s when time was flew by like it wasn't there because the demands on our time was, were just crazy. And I don't really remember much of the 80s because it was just a constant whirlwind of work. Which were your favourite songs? Um, well, there's a number of them. Um, it's really the songs that are connected to the memory or the experience of making them, whether it be writing them or recording them, that make them my favourites. Uh, so I always uh, start with She's Gone because... It was the song that really put us on the map. And it was, I call it the perfect storm of creativity. Uh, the way Daryl and I wrote it together, the way we pooled our energies to write it. And then when we took it into the studio to have it nurtured by the great Arif Marden and the way he surrounded us with the, the right players for that song and the beautiful string arrangement that he did. And, and the, the, everything about that song was just the perfect storm of creativity. So I just have such great memories of that. But then in the 80s, when we had our great 80s band, we were so well oiled and from touring constantly that we went in, when we went into the studio, there was a real kinetic energy behind not only the big hits, you know, like Maneater and Out of Touch and all that, but even the, even the album tracks, they, they were all infused with the energy of this great band. digitized, there's always a desire for authenticity, for heart and soul of, of organic and um, music that is that's actually performed and not programmed and not done through a computer or a, a digital sampler. There's a whole group, you know, thousands and thousands of fans around the world who love to hear musicians playing their instruments. And that's what Americana and Roots Music is all about. That's fantastic. Well, I really hope that we see you in this country. I hope so too. I love Australia. I, anytime I get to come, um, it's never it's never often enough. You're too far away, but that's what makes your country great. <laughs> Fabulous. Look after yourself there, John. Thank you so very much. Okay, Cindy. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Bye-bye. Take care. This is a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. It's a beautiful day. Remember the Pointer Sisters? 
Of course you do. They were most famous for this sensational song. and Anita Pointer, who were huge during the 70s and 80s. Unfortunately, both June and Bonnie have since passed away. When the girls toured Australia back in the early 80s, I got the job of taking them clothes shopping. I guess someone had to do it. Hi, this is Anita. Sandy? It is Sandy. Anita, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for taking us shopping, too. Uh, do you remember? We did so much shopping in Australia. Oh, my God. There was a line called Sports Girl. I bought every color. Every... Oh, my God, I loved it. That was one of my favorite things, Sports Girl. You guys loved coming to Australia, didn't you? Oh, we loved it. We had such great times there. Oh, my goodness, and great shows. When was the last time that, that you all performed on stage together? 2015 was the last time I performed. Ruth and her daughter and her granddaughter have been performing. Do you miss performing? Mm, no. <laughs> hey, the answer to that should have been, yeah, I love doing. <laughs> Sometimes I really, really do. Like I, just a few minutes ago, I was up performing in my room. I still love to sing. And I've done a couple of shows by myself. Me and Bonnie did some shows together last year. If you had to choose one song that was really your favorite from the whole time you guys have been performing together. What would what was your favorite to perform? I'm so excited. That was my favorite. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get to that song. Oh my goodness, I love that song. I'm proud of that song. What did you like so much about it? I wrote it. That's one thing I love about it. And we had such a fun time in the studio doing it. Tonight, tonight we're gonna make it happen. Real slow, I let it go. I'm so 
what were you writing about on that song? Actually, it was kind of a love song. It's kind of excited about having a love affair. And it also says, we're still playing around. That's just fine. It was during a time when I wasn't wanting anything too serious, you know. So these days, if we want to hear you sing, we're going to have to stand outside your bathroom window. <laughs> well, no, one of these days we'll get to, I'll get to do something out there again. I hope so. Anita, thank you so much for talking to me today. And a very happy birthday from us to you. Thank you so much, Sandy. It was my pleasure. I hope a project comes up really soon for you and we get to see you back in this country. I'll take you shopping again. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a deal. That's a great deal. Stay tuned. Up next, we talk to the legendary Gordon Lightfoot. This is a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. It's a beautiful day. Lovely to have your company. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm sure I don't have to tell you who this is, do I? I can see her lying back in her satin dress In a room where you do what you don't confess Sundown, you better take care If I find you've been creeping round my backstairs Sundown, you better take care If I find you've been creeping round my backstairs the legendary Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon's a Canadian singer, songwriter and guitarist who's achieved huge worldwide success in folk, rock and country music. He's credited with helping to define the folk pop sound of the 60s and 70s and at 81 years of age he's still pumping out the music today. After several months of trying, I finally managed to get Gordon on the other end of the phone line from his home in Toronto. Gordon Lightfoot. Yes. Lovely to chat with you. How are you? I'm good. Yes, I am. Are you still writing songs today? Uh, no, I, uh, I had an album come out in March just after the pandemic started. It kind of got, uh, got lost a little bit, but there's been a lot of streams on it. I sang a lot called Oh So Sweet. It's so easy to live with no fear or deceit But sometimes I think maybe I have skipped a beat The road I chose was not all it should be But sometimes it was oh so sweet Sometimes I remember Hearing raindrops fall Feeling my love breathing alongside of me It ain't easy to live with no tears of regret But sometimes it was oh so sweet Yeah, I've, I wrote that one all about 20 years ago. They're all sidetracks. It's all, most of it's demos. I discovered it all just by accident while, while moving offices uh, two years ago. Half of it was, was lost. 
It would never have been seen again I had not found it. How do you explain how enduring your music is and how many people just love you? I actually, I, I often wonder that myself, you know, I, why they should actually really. If they really got to know me, they might not, they might not like me at all. <laughs> do you have any regrets? Yes, I do. Of course I have regrets. You know, I, I've, I've, I certainly, I, let's just say nobody's perfect, okay? Uh, I, I regret the way I have uh, treated other people at times. I regret the way I, I've treated some of the, the, the women I was married to. I regret the way I've, I've ignored my children at times. Have you made it up to them now? Well, I, I re- repented. I, I, I do everything I can to make up for every moment that, uh, that I stole from people. You've had an incredible career and an amazing life. I heard you used to throw the most fabulous parties. We had parties in Toronto that that you would not believe. I was really well located too. I lived in an old mansion right downtown. That was party central. A lot of well-known people who came through the city, the band and Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell and Roger McGuinn, you know, the birds, Glenn Campbell. They've all been to, through this through my big house. And sometimes when I reflect on it, it is so vivid that, it, that it's, it almost breaks my heart when I think about some of the moments that I enjoyed so much, you know, and, and to say, God, you know, I'm, how could I possibly have had that much fun? You certainly lived life to the max. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I met lots of people and I met lots of girls. You know, I, I got married three times. You were a shameless flirt, weren't you? I don't know. I guess it went with the territory. Are you a very different Gordon Lightfoot today than you were in those days? Yeah, 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 I am. I had to give up alcohol in 1982. That is a life-changing event. You've always loved the women. How did you know that Kim was the right one? The first thing that happened there was I I brought her with me. I took her on the road. And she turned out to be one of the best crew members I ever had. You know what the best best things that she does for me? Of all the great things that she does, she makes sure I get fed every night at at 6 p.m. She makes sure I get fed. And she's a great person. Which is your favorite song from all the songs you've written? Which one do you like most? There are many, many songs that I, I really love to play because they're easy and because they're nice. But I would say, if you could read my mind. That's my favourite too. If you could read my mind, love What a tale my thoughts could tell Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet You know that ghost is me And I will never be set free As long as I'm a ghost You can't see What were you writing about there? Well, I was coming through, coming through the end. Yeah, it was the end of the first marriage. I don't even know why I wrote it. I didn't know I was writing it at the time. I actually never wrote anything about anything specifically. If something came into my mind while I was working on a lyric and it found its way in there through some little crack in the doorway, I'd use it. It's poetic license. Gordon Lightfoot, thank you so much for chatting with me. Please stay well and uh, get back out on the road as soon as you can. Okay, Sandy. This is a breath of fresh air with Sandy Kay. It's a beautiful day. Now, can you imagine how excited I was to be given the opportunity to chat with doo-wop legend Dion DiMucci? Dion's career began in the late 50s and is still going very strongly today. He helped pave the way for the British invasion, moving towards blues, folk and rock territory as his career progressed. He's certainly come a very long way since the days of his first massive hit, The Wanderer. Oh, and I'm the type of guy who will never settle down Where pretty girls are, well, you know that I'm around I kiss them and I love them, cause to me they're all the same I hug them and I squeeze them, they don't even know my name They call me The Wanderer Wanderer from Dion, 
who's now come full circle back to his blues roots. His recent Blues With Friends album that he did with the help of some very talented musical friends actually picked up the award for the top blues album of 2020. His most recent album called Stomping Ground, which includes friends like Boz Skaggs, Eric Clapton and Bruce Springsteen, also looks set to do the same for 2021. Dion, thanks so much for your time. It's terrific to chat with you again. Congratulations on the Blues album, number one in America. Joy to be with you, Sandy. Thank you. I'm just happy that people feel about it the way I did because I, I had such a great time recording it. I mean, you can imagine being with all these great artists, just infusing uh, songs that I wrote with their artistry. It, it was thrilling for me because uh, every time someone came into the studio and, and did something, you know, like Jeff Beck or Joe Bonamassa, you know, like I was I was telling you, I, I, I'm so limited. Uh, I thought I, I know how to write a song. I know how to make a record. I know how to communicate it. But I never experienced anything like this where you just let somebody do what they want. on your, and, and hey, 14 out of 14 rocked it out of the parks. Having given them free reign to do whatever they want on those tracks, I'd imagine you'd be quite a control freak about anything that you'd put out. So going, hey, guys, do whatever you want would be something so different. You know, it's funny that you say that because I never ask for help. I'm like one of these guys, you know. To be honest with you, on a very personal level, I wasn't open there, like, to ask for help. And I found, personally, it is so fulfilling to to see how people want to help. And it's it makes you feel loved and valued and significant on another level. For a guy like uh, Paul Simon to go into the studio and just work a couple of days on this song because he liked it so I just never thought I'd feel like that. But it's a true gift. And, it, it you know, on a very simple level, it just made me feel great. Well, you certainly deserve it. Now, you've also released a couple of Christmas tracks. I was thinking, I got to write a blues song. I thought, what would a blues guy write about? Okay, you know. Now, if you're not singing the blues, you're bragging. You know, that that's part of the blues. You, you just brag. You know, I'm the hoochie-coochie man or whatever, you know. I'm the guy. I'm God's gift to the world. <laughs> so brag, you know. So I thought, that's what I'll do. I'll write a bragging Christmas song. Uh, what could I brag about? Okay, I buy my girl a gift, and I'm thrilled with it, and she's just going to go crazy. And, and I have no patience. I want her to open the gift. So I, I wrote this <laughs> Christmas song called You Know It's Christmas. So Joe Bonamassa hears it. He says, Dion, you are so prolific, man. He says, where do you come up with this stuff? Oh, baby, can't you hear those sleigh bells ring? David has the only mean one thing. You know it's Christmas. And all the chances on a tree. Dion's work these days is blues-oriented. I asked him why. Well, for me, it's like at the centre of my being. And I didn't know it. You know, I, I grew into that because I was all over the place. When I was a kid, I got hooked on hit records. So I, I just sang, you know, what I... I think Run Around Sue is probably a cleverly disguised blues song. But The Wanderer is a blues song. Ruby Baby is a blues song. They're all... Back then, if you, if you took a, a blues song and turned it into a major key... You had rock and roll. You know, blues is it's an honest way to go. You could express any emotion, joys, your love, your loneliness, triumphs. Your, you could even brag, like I said. It's a great way to go. How are you handling this current COVID situation, Dion? You still travelling okay? I'm good. I, I've been, <laughs> Sandy, you wouldn't believe it. I, I've been more creative in the last year than I have in the last 30 years. I'm going in Saturday to put a new one together. I've written another 12 songs. This is one of them. Take It Back with Joe Bonamassa on guitar from Dion's latest album called Stomping Ground. Take it back What you have said 
stomping ground now but only for another week because I'll be right back with you to kick off a brand new season of the show. I'll leave you with a quote from one of my favourite Canadians, Gordon Lightfoot, who said, I try to keep it light and positive most of the time, whereas earlier on I didn't always do that. I think that's a good way to be, isn't it? Don't forget if you'd like to get in touch with me or get behind the scenes of the making of these episodes, just head to my website, abreathoffreshair.com.au. Leave me a comment, send me a request or just say hi. I'd really love to hear from you. I wish you a fun week ahead and I'll look forward to your company again same time next week. Catch you then. Because it's a beautiful day You've been listening to A Breath of Fresh Air with Sandy Kay. Beautiful day, oh baby, any day that you're gone away. It's a beautiful day.